Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast resource of Start Church, where we're empowering ministry leaders with the wisdom they need to lead their ministry forward. Hi, my name is Nathan Camp, and I'm the CEO here, and I got the great privilege of having our founder in the studio with us today, Pastor Raul Rivera. Here's what's great about this podcast. It's actually being added to a new video course called Leading Through Crisis. We know that right now ministry leaders are looking for tools that will help them lead their ministries forward in this season of crisis. In the new Leading Through Crisis video course, we're going to deal with many of the areas that you need empowerment from in order to lead your ministry forward. So enjoy this powerful conversation with Pastor Raul Rivera and check out our new video course at startchurch.com. Today, I'm super excited because we've got our founder, Raul Rivera, here. Uh, Raul, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nathan. I am super excited to be a part of this podcast. So uh, I'm going to rewind the tape real quickly. There's some people here that are new to our podcast, and they're unfamiliar with who you are, and you play such a significant role. Can you just tell us uh, kind of your background from a leadership standpoint? You've led in the church, you led in business. Kind of rewind the tape a little bit and tell us about your leadership journey. Well, one of the things I've learned about leadership in my, in my own journey is that there's no such thing as leadership without it being tested through crisis. Yeah, and absolutely. it's what you do during crisis that defines who you truly are as a leader. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that if you react to a crisis or if, or if you react to a situation, you're always going to overreact. And yeah. during this time, this is not the time to react. This is the time to carefully think through every decision and every action you take as a leader because once you as a leader throw out a reaction, you're not going to be able to take it back. Sure. So you, the people that you're leading need to see in you contemplation, temperance, and they need to see in you confidence. And, yeah. you know, whether, whether it's business or whether it's start church, here or ministry as a pastor, what I have always learned about leading is that people are willing to follow you if they believe that they can trust you through the crisis. Yeah, that's good. And you, like you said, you've led in the church, you've led in the business world. Um, and we're finding a lot of pastors right now dealing with some major challenges, right? We know the COVID-19 crisis. Do you think that leadership right now is maybe more important than ever? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's, it is right now the currency of what's going to get us to the next step. You know, who can you trust in this time? Uh, most people in the world look for a leader that they can trust. And right now, we're going to see where the deficiencies are and where the strengths are. And this is a defining moment for many people in the body of Christ. And that is, what are you going to do through this crisis as the leader? Yeah, that's great. I think uh, that old quote by Eisenhower said, you know, I'm not paid for the amount of decisions I make. I'm paid for the five decisions that only I can make. And I think a lot of senior leaders that are on the Beyond the Call podcast 
they're having to make five or six really big decisions right now and navigate their ministries through that. One of them is this transition into online, you know, online streaming and working through that. How do you think God's use, using that platform right now? Well, the online streaming platform currently is really the only way for churches to come together. And that platform has become supreme. And those churches that took the steps when it just didn't seem like we're, you know, a small church, we don't have the need for it, but they took them anyway. They weren't doing it because it was just cool and the thing to do. They were being led of God to be set up for this time and season. And I even heard some leaders out there saying, online church for small churches? No way. Let the big churches handle that. They're eating their words. That, that's a leadership crisis because they couldn't see what God was doing in that moment. So yeah. we, we need to understand that online church right now is the way to do it. And also as a leader, what I've learned and, and tempered myself during this time is to trust the people that I have put in leadership places in my organizations, whether that's ministry or whether that's in my in ranching or whether that's in here at Start Church, is trust the people that are in their places. Otherwise, why have them there? So yeah. as a leader, I say, I have five important decisions to make. I'm going to make them. I'm going to set the, paint the sunset for them and then let them do what they're best at. That's great. How did you get to the place of trust? Yeah, trust is, you know, at Start Church, we don't hire for talent. We hire for culture and trust. And yeah. the very first question that I ask about somebody in, in all of my leaders, when you interview, when you spend time with the people that you're going to hire for your department, you must always ask yourself, can I trust this person? Yeah, you know, people's, uh, people's character, whether showing whether they can or cannot be trusted, usually show up within the first 90 days. You know, yeah. if their strengths, they'll show up. If their flaws, they will show up. Once you know a person's character and you know you can trust them, then at the, the next step to do is give them the benefit of the doubt to lead and even make mistakes. So long as you know they were being honest in the way they led, in the way they yeah. made their decisions. So important, you know, back to the streaming thing, you no know, physical building, right? And so some of these guys and gals, gals are leading churches with no physical presence, but they're relying on a team of people yeah. to continue the culture out there. What do you see that's good right now? I know a lot of people are freaking out about online church. What's the good that's coming out of that that you think is going to stay even when things go back to normal, if you will? Well, I believe intimacy is going to come back. Intimate moments, people are going to yearn for closer connections. You know, I've also seen a couple of changes. You know, I'm usually not a big fan of social media. You know, social media tends to bring out the beast in people, you know, sure. tends out to bring out the flesh that's not desirable and character traits that we wouldn't normally express except it for be for social media. There are things that people say on social media that they would never say face-to-face -to, -face to anyone. However, in this time, social media has become a force for good yeah. where we can create personal intimate settings. You know, our, our home church, we do, we're doing a daily uh, devotional live streamed on Facebook and YouTube, and we're connecting with our pastors on a daily basis. And through the live streaming, you can even have conversations. 
You know, yeah. as, as they're speaking and people are logging in, they're seeing them and they're greeting them and they're saying hello, and that's connecting people. So, yeah. you know, it's become a very important platform and we need to take advantage of it. What's also amazing is that it's free. You yeah. know, using that platform is free. Now there is equipment and there are things that you'll, may, you'll want to consider, but it's, it is a very good force for good if we take advantage of it the way God intends it to be used. Yeah, forward-thinking pastors are seeing this as the next frontier, right? That it's as missional. I know I talked to one church planner uh, last week, and they said we had eight states and two countries represented in our church service, right? Viewing our church service. The cost to do that pre-COVID would have been thousands and thousands of dollars. They'd have had to go build planes, you know, get on planes. But here, they had an opportunity to minister to people well beyond their natural scope. Yeah, I, I think that's going to stick around for a while. I think it will be. I think the one thing that we're going to take away from this is that every church, whether you're brick and mortar, whether you're a house church, and that is a very valid form of church, um, the most, one of the things that we're going to take away is that it will be the standard now for every church to also have online live streaming of their services and devotionals and group meetings and life groups that happen using social media platforms. And um, I'm going to see, I'm seeing that as a trend that will bring change to the body of Christ. I also know that you're able to reach more people, even in your own neighborhood that you don't normally go out to meet, but they will log online and you'll have places where you can meet when this COVID-19 thing is lifted. But in the meantime, we're still able to meet. And that's yeah. a very important part of what I see as a good takeaway that will follow us post-COVID-19 days. Well, you said a great word there, intimacy. And I hadn't heard anybody say that about, here's what I help sticking around. But it's, you're right. There's people experiencing, experiencing and more intimate worship than they've had before with a small group, even just family, that are having valid expressions and encounters with God. And even when things lift, they're probably going to say, I really like that. You know, I, I'd really like to That's stay right. having well, that you know, in my mind. When you worship at home with just your family members, that's when it gets real. Yeah. You know, it's before COVID-19 days, if I saw a service online, I was just a very passive participator in that uh, stream. Right. I would watch it. He says, hold hands with someone near you. I'm like, no one does. We just keep watching the screen. People, sure. the, the, worship, the church is having worship and I'm seeing people, you know, on our stage singing their hearts out. And I see people come to the altar and pray. I'm just watching unmoved. Yeah. I'm just watching. And then I pay attention to the message. Service ends and it's over. And there was no real change. Now I'm finding myself participating. Yeah. You know, we worship, we raise our hands. My wife is, is next to me. She stands up, she raises her hands to worship and praise and sing. And we're seeing the entire family now coming together and expressing worship at home through our, our, our uh, live stream of our service. And it really has changed the face of church for me and the value of online live streaming. Well, I heard uh, one, of, uh, one of my good friends this week, he said about their online campus. And he said, you know, we didn't create a window into our service. We created a seat at our service. That's correct. And wow. what a paradigm shift to really say there's a sense of engagement. Let's look on the negative side. What are you uh, encouraging people to avoid. I know we just put out the Start Church Connect PDF, really the, the plan on how to get online and do it well. 
uh, some people that are new to this, what would you tell them to avoid when moving toward an online campus? Yeah, there are definitely some things to avoid. And, you know, the first thing I learned about video and using video is, you know, your vision of a, the vision of an ordinary human being is nearly 180 degrees. So when you're looking at a person, you're also seeing all that's around. When right. you look at a screen, you're typically looking at 35 millimeters. So you're looking at a very narrow angle of view. So that screen needs to be the best that you can make it. Things to avoid is bad audio. When the audio is bad and it sounds like it's far away, it does not feel like that presenter is in our living room. When the light, that's right, it's not engaging. And when the lighting is poor, uh, I, I tend to notice that it's hard for me to keep looking at the screen. You know, that screen has to, has to connect with the viewer. And in today's world, lighting and audio is cheap to get, and it's very high quality. So I'm, I'm saying avoid bad audio, avoid bad lighting. And one of the things I've noticed, I've been logging in on to a lot of online churches and devotionals, and a lot of times I've seen, I've seen this, this happen where a lot of pastors will say, well, come into our living room and we're doing it this way, but they're not dressed yeah. in the best way possible. Yeah. I avoid dressing like I am getting ready to eat dinner at my house after a long day of work. You know, I've been out in the yard mowing grass. You know, yeah. I, I will say I want to be the best presenter that I can be to help people engage with me. So I would say three things, avoid bad audio, avoid bad lighting, and make yourself the most presentable person or avoid looking less presentable you know, than you would if you were at the church yourself. That's really good. I think what you're talking about there is your culture, right? Your real culture. You wouldn't dress like you were going to work or dinner on Sunday morning. Or work in your backyard. Yeah, right. work in your backyard. I think what's, what you're really hitting on is even in your online presence, and this is leading through crisis, right? A lot of people didn't have this as a plan. I hear you saying, make sure you keep your culture consistent whether you're in a physical presence or an online presence. That is correct. Keep it consistent. You know, most people in your church don't know you as, as the pastor cutting his lawn in the backyard. They've yeah, always right. seen you dressed a little bit better than you would if you were in your backyard. Keep that consistent because that's the image who they've always connected with. You know, we don't, we want, to dis we don't want them to be distracted by new things they see about you. We want them to see you as who you were in the past and always have known you as. And then we want you to be able to continue to present the gospel in the way you always have before. The least change they experience through the online service on your person and your personality, the more likely they are to engage in the actual service itself. I think that's great. And again, you know, we're talking about leading through crisis and you're talking about the power of normalcy, of consistency you know, keeping your culture, keeping your excellence. I think that's great. I, I want to transition now. We talk about not having a building, right? Well, now we have sheltering in place and you can't even connect with a lot of people. Let's talk about the use of a board. Um, I know some people are having things that are happening in their church where they need to have a board meeting, but they're not able to meet together. So uh, two questions. One is, what are some areas right now that you would think pastors and ministry leaders should be engaging their board in and then how can they meet if they can't physically meet? Right. Well, you know, rules and best practices have always required the meetings to be face-to-face -face at arm's length. However, throughout the years, we've always encouraged churches to include a clause in their bylaws 
that allow and make room for online meetings, such as teleconference or video conference. Today, there are many good services out there that can put everyone at arm's length, face-to-face, -face, in real time, and yeah. conduct their board meetings. So make sure your, your bylaws have the clause that allow for this so that it doesn't have to be physical face-to-face, -face, arm's length, but it can also be digital. So that's, yeah. that's the first step. And I would say keep your board meetings business as usual. You know, yeah. of course, you, you're planning for different things and you're dealing with crisis, but let the board meetings be as they were. If you had an annual board meeting, keep it annual. If you had a quarterly board meeting, keep it quarterly and don't change the schedule. So in today's uh, season, it's important that the church continue to maintain excellent corporate records. So today we have the technology to allow a church to continue to keep its corporate records as though nothing had happened previous to COVID-19. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, where, where should they be using their board right now? I know so much, again, we're talking about leading through crisis, a lot of hitting the pastor's plate. Yeah. It could be real easy to start making a ton of unilateral decisions if you're not careful, especially when you feel like you can't have a board meeting. Uh, where should pastors be slowing down right now and re-engaging with their, their boards? Excellent question. And that, that's going to be in budgeting. How are you going to spend your money? You know, churches that were meeting in schools can no longer meet in schools. And sure. those churches that had set up online live streaming, all they had to do was pick up their equipment, take it to somebody's basement, somebody's house yeah. with, with high-speed internet, and it's business as usual for the online service. But the one thing that I'm noticing is for some of those churches that can't meet in schools, they're saving money. If yeah. people continue to give, they're saving money. You know, uh, I, I know of a church right here in, in the uh, Lawrenceville area in Georgia that they were paying $1,200 a week to meet in a school. They haven't had to pay rent, yet their online attendance has not changed and neither has its giving. In fact, two weeks ago, their giving was up because people were really engaging even more with their home church. Suddenly, their home church became more important. So they yeah. began to participate. So what I'm seeing is budgeting. Your spending is going to change. If you've had a lot of outreach that you were doing, you're going to suddenly see that a lot of money is staying in your budget. However, at the same time, some churches are losing uh, income because they didn't have online giving already pre-set up. They were, re were uh, uh, relying on paper checks. And the one thing I know is when someone is not on, on this uh, auto pay or auto debit or they're not giving online, they're less likely to handwrite a check and mail it to the church. And yeah. so I'm seeing a couple things that pastors are needing to do and rely on their boards is how do we rewrite our budget in this time in crisis? Where do we allocate resources? How do we use this money to continue to connect with our people? Some churches are taking their budgets, rewriting them to purchase equipment to stream online. So that's one area where the board is going to be really important. Yeah, uh, if you start unilaterally making these changes, the question I would ask is, why do you have a board? Right. You know, so rely on them. They're there because God put them at your side. They're believers in you and your ministry and in the vision God's given you. I, I, would, uh, I, would, take a, I would make a, the presumption that you and your board together can lead this, even though you are the senior pastor and you're the CEO of your church and corporation, your board will support you in this. Yeah, I hear you say that uh, leading through crisis is about this normalcy and consistency. And also I hear you say, 
it sounds like you're saying, don't just think about today. Think about another day when you want to have showed. I used my board. I didn't just act independently. Um, you mentioned finances. Obviously, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? A lot of pastors are feeling nervous about their future. Some are going to experience an economic downturn, right? So even some shortfall. Yep. As a business leader and as a pastor, have you ever had to navigate through something like that? And if so, what are some great principles that our listeners need to, to be aware of? Yeah, well, first thing I, I've learned about leadership in crisis is that leadership is for the brave. You know, yeah. and brave is an adjective that describes who you are based on the actions that you're taking. And yeah. so this is the time to be brave. And my personality and my personality and my style of leadership, there are three, there's about four things that I rely on. And the, and the very first one is crisis is a sign that permanent change is about to happen. Yeah. And the crisis that we're in needs to be used. You need to leverage the crisis to dig deep into your creative resources and juices and use them to transform your church or your company. You know, what does this crisis tell you about the future of America and the future of your business or of your uh, church? And yeah. where is the body of Christ going? Uh, 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 how is the body of Christ going to end up after it's all over? Use yes. the crisis to dig deep and reinvent yourself. If you're a business owner, what new products do you need to focus on? What, yeah. what are the things that were nice to have and the things that you must have? You know, it's another one. That's number two. You know, here's where some of you are going to shed old products that just don't need to be around anymore. Others of you are going to invent new products that are going to be the next wave of growth for your church or your, or your, or your business. And so, you know, again, it's for the brave. You got to use this time wisely. Do not sit and let change happen to you. You need to get ahead of change and get a hold of it. Many times the lack of cash become, it makes you very creative and it yeah. becomes the mother of your creative juices to invent new ways of doing church. Yes. And the third one is your decisions today have to be with longevity in mind. You know, yes. don't make a decision a day to try to survive the moment. Don't do that. That will cut off your future. You know, I, I hear this phrase often, you know, is, uh, it says we cut off our nose. How does that go, Nathan? We you cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, there's this phrase that I hear often, and, I, you know, being Latino, I didn't understand it very well for the longest time, but I'd hear it often, and that is you cut off your nose to spite your face. You know, sometimes we make decisions that cut off our future Absolutely. just so that we could survive the moment. That is not what you should do today. Right now, every decision to you make is unto tomorrow, it's unto next year, it's unto the next generation, and use this time to plan for the future as well. And then lastly, you know, some hard decisions will have to be made. When there's a lack of cash, that doesn't mean that your vision is no longer valid and you can no longer pursue it. You have to make the tough decision to say, is the vision that God put in my heart worth the hard moments and times that we're going through? And do I need to make difficult decisions to continue that vision forward? Because the vision of your church is not just for yourself. It's to serve and to love and to bring people into the kingdom of God. So whether that's a business or whether that's a church. So some of the hard decisions might be, 
where do we cut spending? And some of that cut may be in letting people go or furloughing employees for a season. And that is something that you have to do with a lot of contemplation and a lot of planning with you and your board or your leadership team. Don't do it unilaterally because it will be seen and perceived as weakness. Yeah. Well, it's like what you said. I, I love how you woven this theme throughout uh, since the top of the podcast about responding, not reacting. Yeah. You know, I hear you saying if you have some economic shortfall, don't you know react and say then we'll cut off everything and and end up hurting yourself long term. I hear you saying respond with wisdom, That's utilizing right. your board, not cutting off your future, asking the creative questions. And I love that creativity. Uh, I think you're talking about the church planter DNA, right? We just make it happen. That's right. That's right. You know, also, that doesn't mean that you don't plan. You know, one of the things we constantly do at Start Church, I meet with my leadership team continuously, good times or bad times, and I ask the question, what if? Yeah. What if we suddenly had this much growth? Could we handle it? Because for many churches and businesses, growth could actually be a bad thing for you because you may not yeah. be ready for it. We're always yeah. saying, what would we do if our business doubled? So we, we spend the time writing up models, predicting it. We also write up models. What is overnight, our income is cut in half. What do sure. we do? What does our company look like? What do we look like as a church or a company? And what should our margins be? Should there be any margins? These are things that we continuously pre-plan in case they do happen. Because what we've learned is when we've done the homework and we've taken the, the difficult, made the difficult decisions, one of the things I've learned is you're less likely to react to anything, whether that's a, a, a yeah. good that happens to your church or bad that happens to your church. You stay in control of the change. You don't let the change control you. That's great. How would you encourage pastors to utilize their bookkeeper? As you know, we do a lot of bookkeeping for hundreds and hundreds of churches. How would you tell them to best utilize their bookkeeper during times of economic fluidity? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's easy to say the first thing we'll cut is bookkeeping during a crisis. It's easy to say, we need a bookkeeper when there's plenty of money, you know, because when, when I hear pastors say that, I oftentimes see them saying, bookkeeping is nice, but I don't know if I need it. The, the reality is you need it more than you think. There are many churches today who can apply for these guaranteed loans through this crisis but they're not going to be able to get it because their books aren't going to be able to adequately prove what their payroll costs have been. And sure. some of them have just written checks and they haven't done it the right way. They haven't done their 941 quarterlies. And a great bookkeeper would be one who could say, here is your report based on the information you've given me and you're good to go. So I'm going to encourage churches, don't look at bookkeeping as one of the nice-to-haves. Look at it as the have-to-haves, because when you have great books, you are ready to receive a blessing when the blessing comes. Many yeah, churches great. are scrambling now going, how do I get this blessing? How do I get this help so that I can keep yeah. my entire staff employed? And they're not going to be able to prove it. You know, we have a service and we provide our churches. We can help churches on board during a difficult time and help them get through that process. But there's nothing better than having done it right from the beginning. Yeah, I, would, I love encouraging our, our Start Church bookkeepers as well, uh, partnering with our pastors, even from the very onboarding and saying, what's important to you? Yeah. There's a certain amount of pastors right now who said, I've been planning for a rainy day. We're fine. 
you know, our building fund is going to continue. Our staff is going to continue because they said in the very beginning, you know, it's important to me that I've got, I've got surplus, you know, uh, or there's pastors right now that said, I wanted to make sure to be able to, to be able to have money to invest as land gets cheaper or any of those kind of items. And so when they partner with a bookkeeper and say, your job, your role is continuing to help me to have trains on time to get, to get where we need to be financially. I think that partnership is huge. Yeah, it's, it's a big partnership and one that's often undervalued, you know, and, and I want to encourage the body of Christ at large, you know, it doesn't matter your, your background, your denominational background, you know, books are books. Good books are good books and bad books are bad books and they are, they always cross the denominational boundaries. You yeah. know, the rules are the same no matter what your background and belief are and so having a a bookkeeper that partners with you is the absolute best thing that churches could have been doing uh, before COVID-19 hit. Yeah. So what do you do if you find yourself in that, in that place? It's never too late to start. Yeah, it's never great. too late to fix anything. I remember talking to a pastor at one of our conferences about three or four years ago now who hadn't filed his taxes in like nine or 10 years. And he felt terrible about it, and he wept with me, and we prayed together. And I said one thing to him, everything is fixable. Everything is fixable. If your books aren't reflecting what they should be, use this time to get them right, to spend the time uh, digging through old records and, and getting your books right. You may need this if you get to the place where you apply for a, one of these guaranteed loans that have a forgivable clause in them to be able to keep your staff fully employed. Some churches are going to take advantage of it. And I encourage you to pray through this and see if, if, if your conscience and faith allows you to go forward with that step. If so, good books are going to be an essential part of getting this loan approved. That's true. Well, those are, and we're praying, you know, that there's, that God provides for our, the churches that are connected with Star Church that they really don't see much economic downturn. Uh, but that's really wisdom there. Look about, looking forward, ha, nice to have versus have to have. Get real creative. And then if you need to, you know, furlough or cut staff, look from there. Our last few minutes together here. Um, I want to talk about something uh, about contracts. Uh, a lot of times pastors right now are looking at contracts in new ways for contractors and buildings and vendors and the like. Um, you mentioned something in a recent blog called Can the COVID-19 Crisis Get You Out of Your Lease? Talk to us real, real quickly in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, that's, that's a question that I've, I've been getting a lot of is, you know, is does, does, does this crisis relieve us of this responsibility? We can't even go into our building and we can't even use it. Is there anything in our contract that says, if I can't use my building, then can I get out of it? There are some times where contracts provide for that. Usually in a lease contract, it deals with destruction of the physical property, not I can't have access to it. And yeah. usually that area, that, that's an area of contract law called force majeure, which is basically means a greater force. It comes from the French meaning greater force. But there's also another concept that comes from the Latin that says agreements must be kept. So you have two competing forces or two tensions that exist. And what I've discovered is that through case law, uh, courts have ruled that unless there is a force majeure clause in your contract that very specifically describes the situation you're in, force majeure will not apply to your church. 
And unless your church was physically destroyed, which is standard language in a contract, then your rent cannot be abated or prorated to the degree that your building was destroyed. So what I'm seeing is very few churches, if any, will be able to, to ethically and legally get out of their lease. So that's, that's the first part. You know, the, the landlord in, in states like Georgia, which are more pro-landlord states, uh, the landlord shouldn't be held responsible for something that was also outside of his control or her control. You know, yeah. so we're dealing with something that could possibly be reinterpreted by, by courts as defining the COVID-19 crisis, one that could be generalized or reasonably accepted as a greater force, even if the language in the contract wasn't clear. That's to be known uh, by future uh, litigation. That will probably take years for us to find out what courts are willing and how far they're willing to take uh, COVID-19 into force majeure. But the part that I'm most concerned about is the standard force majeure language that exists between builders and churches that want to build. Usually you enter into a contract with a builder and the force majeure language there is very clear. And where I'm most concerned is contractors giving force majeure notices to their churches. You know, we were in a record pace uh, time where churches were signing contracts left and right to start building. The economy was the best it has ever been in American history and churches were building at a rapid pace that we've never seen before. And many churches signed contracts in January, put deposits down. The contractors had barely started when it hits. Now they have $100,000, $200,000 down payments, and they have zero to show for it. And the contractors are burning through the cash to keep paying their staff, but they're not really building much. Yeah, and that's... many churches are going to find themselves in a position that's very uncomfortable, and that's where I'm most concerned. So it's time, if you were in a building project, look at your contract, look for the force majeure or the acts of God clauses in your contract to see what rights you have and what rights the builder have, and then, you know, these will only be resolved. These Many of these will be resolved through litigation or being able to negotiate to see if you can get some of that back. Yeah, that's great. Well, I appreciate you bringing that to our our forefront. You know, a lot of pastors, again, are going to be hit with things this time that they just need some different voices to help them remember. Hey, we really appreciate you being with us. You know, this is a time of leadership crisis, and uh, we are grateful that you're the founder and you are continuing to lead and and, uh, giving us uh, wise words, sir. So we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you very much, Nathan. It was a pleasure doing this podcast with you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.